following audio is from Deering Christian Church. Join us Sunday mornings at either 9 or 10.30 a.m. The good life. Question, what is the good life? Like, that's, that's what we're talking about right now. But we have to start to define that. Now, now we're taking a step away from, well, this is what my good life would look like, too. What, what is the good life? Like, what is the good life? Let's lean a little further into that and ask another question. What is a good person? What is a good person? Do we not say that they exist? See if you can finish this for me. You know so-and-so, he's a good, good guy. You know so-and-so, he's a good, I would say dude. He's a good dude, okay? Is that not something that's in our vocabulary? I know ladies, you might do, I don't know what the ladies, what is the ladies thing there? You know, is there a thing that ladies say? Because I know guys, that's something that guys say. I don't know what it is for you, but I know you're not like, he's a good dude, you know? <laughs> I just can't really see. I'm looking around, I'm like, it doesn't really seem like that's probably something that said girls from you. But I'm sure you've heard some of us guys say something like that. What does that mean? What does that mean? Do they exist? Well, I know for me, we kind of have to you know, define it a little bit. When we sit, sit down with uh, anybody that's, that's in marriage, Jen and I, and we've talked through different things in our own marriage, because we'll do that from time to time. If, you know, somebody's in a tough place or somebody's in a good place or whatever, and they just want to talk about marriage and life. And, you know, at some point, we, one of the things we end up talking about is we end up talking about love and defining love and what that means for you and what that means for you. And what we found is not only do we have somewhat different definitions but when we sat down with other couples we realized that like when you say I love you that means this and when you say I love you that means this a good person honest respectable nice sincere genuine trustworthy do do anything for you be there if you need him or her give you the shirt off their back the last $5 out of their pocket, they'll help you however they can, even when they can't. It's a good dude. It's a good dude. Question. Serious question. Very serious question now. Why is it that a lot of time these people are not Christians? Or are they, and they simply are living it louder in action than in word? That's a provoking thought when I started to think through people that maybe I have given that title to. It's a good dude. Just something to chew on. My life experiences have shown me firsthand that sometimes the actions of people are hard to take. Sometimes my feelings might be affected. Sometimes it's even hard to turn the other cheek, if you feel me. 
You ever been taken advantage of? Feelings ever been hurt? See, that's a, that feelings hurt deal, that's a tough thing. Most guys would rather be punched in the throat than, you know, talk about feelings or have their feelings hurt. Or, you know, like when a guy is like, hey, my feelings are kind of like that. We just entered into a very serious <laughs> conversation, right? When was the last time you sat down, fellas, and you're like, my feelings. And, and every woman in the room was like, what, tell me about your feelings. <laughs> I'd like to hear about your feelings a little bit. I, I didn't know these things, these things were, existed and were out there. Those things and some of those experiences, for me, they've taken place from Christian people. But here's the thing. I've also participated in those things, in, in hurting feelings, and letting others down, and treating people that was a way that would not be by the definition that I even produced earlier of being a good dude. And I just want to take the time to say I'm truly sorry if I've ever come across or acted that way to you. I'm, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry that, that I didn't live what I preached. I'm sorry. What is a good person? What is a good person? Mark 10, 17. Uh, Jesus was called a good person by the rich young ruler. We're going to look at the text a little later so you don't even got to turn there right now. Jesus was called a good person by the rich young ruler, which Jesus' response was, there is none good except for God. God alone is good. So, uh, uh, Jesus begins to frame up this definition of good. So a good person, when Jesus is told good teacher, his response to the rich young ruler, there's none good. God, is, God alone is good. So we, let, let's begin to get that in our mind. God alone, so God alone is good. James 1.17 reminds us, or maybe informs us, if you weren't aware of this, that all good and perfect things come from God. So not only is God good and he alone good, but good and perfect things come from God alone. Then James 13 reminds us or informs us that God cannot be tempted nor does he tempt anything because he is good. So God, is, God alone is good and God gives good. And we know that God doesn't tempt. Temptation is not from God. Somebody might need to hear that today, whether here or online. So let's define good for a moment for the sake of the rest of our conversation. If we're going to talk about good people, what it means to be good, if we're going to talk about that, let's, let's define this God, this good, the good we're talking about today is this, is godly. It's, it's holy. It's righteous. That's the good we're talking about today. As we can see that 
that even Jesus said, God alone is good. So let's, let's make sure that we're thinking through about this good life, this good person, that we're thinking about them with the right terminology in mind as we move from here forward. Good, it's, it's not about knowledge and knowing. That's, that's for sure. That's for sure. Good is about living, being, and doing. It's about loving. That's good. And we're, we're going to see that as we continue to move into this text. The Sermon on the Mount, it seems like it's like, this has been like part of my life this week, okay? <laughs> Jamie, when, when we were talking, he's like, hey, you know, would you look at this week? And I was like, sure, sure, I got nothing going on that week. I, I didn't, I'm going to Dallas, going to be driving through a snowstorm on the south side of Dallas on Thursday watching the news. Like, I got it, hon, 10 and 2. I got it. I got it. We got this. But there was this deal going on down there. there the, the, I don't know if you've seen that, that, that series, the Chosen series, but they were filming the part of the Sermon on the Mount, the feeding of the 5,000. Jen and Tig, they're going to sign autographs someday because you'll see, you know, little bits of the side of their hair or their ear or something somewhere amongst the crowd, you know. And they're like, that was my ear. That was my ear in that shot, you know. And they got lots of cool stories. I just, I was 10 and 2. We're getting there safe. We're getting home safe. That's what we're doing this week. Sermon on the Mount just seems like it was just part of my week. The key text we're going to be looking at today is Matthew 5, 17 through 20. This is part of the Sermon on the Mount. Jesus has, has delivered up to this point uh, really the equation for you, you want to be blessed? You want this hashtag blessed life that, that Jamie was talking about last week? Like Jesus has laid this out in Matthew 5 already. Like there is blessing, there's 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 promise of blessing, and, and here are things that are attached to it. Call them the Beatitudes. He just got done talking about, like, we're the salt and the light of the earth. Christians, the Sermon on the Mount was first, if we get there, it's like, man, if you're a student in the room, and it's like, are we talking about the Sermon on the Mount again? We are, because that's just the text that we're coming to, because we've spent a lot of time on the Sermon on the Mount this school year amongst students. Jesus is preaching not... Not to the pagan culture, not to just whoever was Jesus' primary audience were the disciples. They, they drew into him and he's teaching them and over them, earshot, people were gathered all over the place until we get to the feeding of the 5,000. They're like, Jesus, there's a bunch of people here, okay? If they leave, they're going to stagger out of here famished and who knows what's going to happen to them. And then we know what happened there. They got fed but they were already being fed. Matthew 5, 17 through 20 says, I'll be reading out of the NIV. Do not think that I have come to abolish the law or the prophets. I have, come to abolish, I, have, I have not come to abolish them, but to fulfill them. For very truly, I tell you, until heaven and earth disappear, not the smaller not the smallest letter nor the least stroke of pen will by any means disappear from the law until everything is accomplished. Verse 19, therefore anyone who sets aside one of the least of these commands and teaches others accordingly will be called the least in the kingdom of heaven. But whoever practices and teaches these commands will be 
called great in the kingdom of heaven. Verse 20, and this is our key verse that we're going to land on today. For I tell you that unless your righteousness, remember, think about how we're defining good. Your righteousness, your goodness, your holiness surpasses that of the Pharisees and the teachers of the law. You will certainly not enter the kingdom of heaven. That had to be a shocking statement to the disciples as they're sitting there and they're like, that the Pharisees, like they, they keep the law too. Like they're making laws about keeping the laws. I mean, they got women aren't even braiding hair on the, on the Sabbath. They're, they're following Jesus around trying to set these verbal and physical traps to catch him. And the, these smallest little minute acts of breaking the law so they could call out some sort of heresy. He tells you, unless your righteousness surpasses theirs. Well, he's got their attention now. He's definitely got their attention now. Verse 20, Jesus lays down hard truths. Through the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus only reiterates the laws of Moses. He only reiterates that. He, he continues to lay this back out, but he stiffens it. He stiffens the law that was already we were already incapable of, of even keeping this law. The law, law was not primarily about drawing the Israelites closer to God, but further exposing their desperate need for God and to showing the pagan cultures and people groups around them that there was something different, that they were living different by keeping this law. Jesus, like I've already said, he give us the, the keys to that hashtag blessed life that Jamie was speaking about last week, right out of the gate in this most famous sermon preached. You remember those math books in school? Anybody remember that? I sat down and was doing a little math work, and I don't know if you've done any math work, and I was like, I have no idea, bub. Can we turn to the back of the book? Now, some, some of us in the room know why we would go there. And these youngins, they make those math books different now, okay? But every other answer was in the back of the book, right? So you get, we're, we're getting a 50 on this for sure. Like, we're at least getting a 50 on this. Was it, tell me, was it odds or evens? Uh, <laughs> How did you know? You looked in the back of the book, didn't you? <laughs> we all looked in the back of the book because it's just the CRFR works, right? Right? The Beatitudes, Jesus is laying that out like the answers are there. Like if we want a blessed life, he's laying that out before we get to where we're at today. Just a quick overview. You just leave Matthew 5 and 6 open. And you can just turn back and forth through them. But here's some of what's going on. We are the salt and the light. Remember, his audience were the disciples. It's like, you are the salt and the light, Christian, of this, of this world. Murder is something that takes place in the heart with hate. Adultery is something that takes place in the heart with lust. 
Divorce is not an option. Be honest and trustworthy. Just be honest and trustworthy. Let, let it just be a yes or a no. There shouldn't have to be anything else that's added if we're honest and trustworthy people. Have love and pray, not, not only for your friends, but for your enemies. Just love others. Forgive others. Forgive others. Fast with genuine motives. Not so that somebody would see it, but, but the motives. Let your heart be right in while you're doing this. Invest in a retirement plan that's eternal. Matthew 6.22, if you're kind of following along as we're tracking there, he says, the eye is the lamp. If your eyes are healthy, your whole body is healthy. If your eyes are unhealthy, your whole body is unhealthy. Like two years ago, I didn't know I needed glasses. And I'm really sorry. Because I've been driving for a long time, and I thought I was doing a good job, okay? And I, I didn't realize... There's a whole lot of things I couldn't see. And at night, I think I was just guessing. I think I was just guessing where the mustard and the mayo was. And I'm really sorry if you're like, this, who was that that just drove by us, swerving on the side of the road? Like, I was trying. I thought I was there. But if, if the eye is looking at what is good, what's godly? what's holy, what's righteous. Remember our definition of good. That goodness is becoming part of us. And who is good? Say it. Who is good? God alone. God alone. If our eye is focused on God, his righteousness, his holiness. That's where our eye is focused. But if it's not, if it's focused on something else, the opposite of that goodness flowing from us and being about us would be badness. I don't know. Not goodness. He talked about worry and just giving it to God and being today, being present in today. He talked about rightfully observing and judging others, seeking God and inviting his Holy Spirit into our lives. The path, he, he let us know, he reminded us the path to, to righteousness and the Lord, it, it's narrow and it's more difficult, and it's going to be harder to stay on that path. That there are both true and false disciples. The direction of their heart is the primary difference. Those who choose to live and build their lives foolishly will not only be responsible for those decisions, but there are devastating consequences for those decisions. If you haven't ever read the Sermon on the Mount, spend some time in it this week. Spend some time in it. 
especially if we're talking about the goodness of God. So I told you, we, we talked about the rich young ruler just for a moment earlier. And the rich young ruler and the Pharisees and the teachers of the law here seem to, seem to possibly have something in common that they both lacked, okay? The rich young ruler, let's go to that story. Matthew 19, uh, 16 through uh, 26. Just then a man came up to him, teacher, what is this, uh, what, teacher, what good thing must I do to get eternal life? Jesus replied, there's only one who is good. There's only one who is good. If you want to enter life, if you want to enter that life, keep the commandments. Which one? Don't murder, don't commit adultery, don't steal, don't give false testimony, honor your mother and father, love your neighbor as yourself. The young man says, well, I've, I've kept all those. I've done, a, I've done a really good job. I've done, a really, I've done a really good job in that area. I've kept those commandments. I'm a, I'm a good person, okay? If we break down the Ten Commandments, we've got these, this first portion over here that has to do with, with God. And we've got this second portion that has to do with primarily others, Jesus only lists here the portion that dealt with others. He was doing a really good job at those. He's like, I, I, I keep those commandments. You know who else kept those? The Pharisees. And they kept close, close eye on keeping those. So what is it that, what is it that, that was the issue for both these Pharisees and these teachers of the law and this rich young ruler. Well, it is Valentine's Day. And, and so we're going we're gonna to reach to, okay? We're going re- to reach to somebody to kind of help us with this just a little bit. Her name was Tina Turner, Okay? And, and you already know, you already know, and so um, we, we, maybe we need to sing here. I don't know. Maybe we, maybe we need to do that. But Tina Turner, okay, asked the question, we got to do, got to do, we didn't even, come on now, let's, let's, what, Tina Turner posed the question, There we go. We're getting a little closer. I think I think we could spend a little time with it. I think we could. Guys on the live stream, I don't know if you can hear this, but this was worth braving the snow. <laughs> What's love got to do with it? Jesus answers that question with this. Everything. Love has got everything to do with it. Matthew 22, 37 through 40, the greatest commandment, which Jesus would sum up everything with, love God and love people. Love God and love people. 
love God and love people. It's evident in the rich young ruler's life. Oh, possessions and his stuff was in the way, but it was who was number one. Was he willing to make God number one? Was he willing to have a single focus of loving God? He kept the, he kept, he kept the law that made him seem good amongst people, and he, oh, he's a good dude, you know? But what was our definition of, of good? Godly, righteous, holy. God alone is good. Today, we're, we're getting ready to take communion together. For the Christian, and what I mean by that is the professing baptized believer, okay? Living with confidence in the hope we find in Jesus Christ, we're called by Jesus to a greater morality to a greater righteousness, okay? Jesus is like, I know, I, I know the law, but this, don't get just caught in the knowledge of the law. The heart, the love in the heart, it matters. It matters. That's the deeper righteousness that he's calling them to. Do you love God in your heart? Do you live a life evident that you're loving God in your heart? Or are you keeping law without loving God in your heart? For the Christian, we're called to a deeper righteousness. That's what the Sermon on the Mount was about. And that sermon was for the believers there. And they leaned in. And he said, you're to be different in the world. And I'm going to sum it up like this. Love God. Like really love God. And love people. For those that we've not yet responded, maybe, you've not yet taken hold of God's love and, and grace and that invitation, I want you to know that it's truly about love. It is. 1 John 4, 19 tells us, we love because he first loved us. God loves you. He loves you. And that love affects and changes us. That love has conviction in it for us. That love calls us to a deeper righteousness. Not for keeping law's sake, so that we might possess this like outward morality and principles as we go about living. That just puffs up and gets the nose up in the air. That's not godly. Godly is loving God. Loving God and loving others. 
It's a righteous goodness that is found and that is found only and had through knowing God because God alone is good. God alone is good. The good life is found Christians when we push past the legalism. When we push past the legalism that's found in getting consumed with the law. I'm not saying that we shouldn't know the word. I'm not saying that we shouldn't spend time in the word. The word is good. The word grows us. But when we push past just simply knowing it. And we get consumed with walking in a relationship with God that's only found through Jesus Christ. It's about a relationship. It's about a relationship with love. What's love got to do with it? Everything. Everything. The deeper righteousness that Jesus is calling us to is love God. Like let yourself go to love him. Let your walls down. Let your barriers down. You can trust him. Place your faith fully in him. 2 Corinthians 5.17 says, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he's a new creation. The old has gone and the new is here. That's a heart transplant. That's a heart transplant. The good news is, is if you need a heart transplant, Jesus will do that for you. New creations with renewed hearts and minds and motives. That's the, that's the greater, deeper righteousness that Jesus is calling us to. That's the good life that Jesus is calling us to. A deeper love and desire for God. More genuine motives. This morning, um, I'm getting ready to prepare yourself for communion. And uh, we practice open communion, and so if you're a baptized believer, we want to invite you to participate in that with us today. If you're not a baptized believer, uh, we want to talk to you about that. So find one of us and, and let's talk about that. We'd love to, you know, help you help you see the invitation that God has put out for you. Um, if, if you don't have a communion cup, um, just raise your hand. Jamie will get one to you here in just a moment. When we reflect on the cross this morning, there's a cross that's hanging up here in the front of the room. When we reflect on that, I don't know what you see, but I hope that you can see love. Love that would take, love that would take somebody to a point where they would lay down life, and as Jamie said last week, their son's life for us. That's love. That's love. And this morning, if there's, I don't know what sort of communication with God needs to take place with you, but let's start with some thanksgiving. And if one of the, one of the areas that repentance needs to take place is, God, I just don't love you. I just haven't been loving you. I just haven't been acting like I love you. And deep down inside, your word speaks very clearly that it, 
searches the nooks and crannies of me. And we both know that I, I am just not in love with you. And I'm sorry. Maybe that's an area that repentance needs to take place. And we just say, God, I'm sorry. God, I'm sorry that I am not loving others around me well. Whether they're my friends, my church family, or my enemies, because your word has been very laser clear. Love others. Love others. Who? Pray for your enemies. I don't know how else we pursue a deeper righteousness by just being honest with ourselves. Being honest with God. Repenting where repentance needs to take place. And just being filled with the joy that comes when we do that.